Monday, July the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, lockdowns back in Spain and more aviation jobs take off. First, the world in brief. Authorities in Spain, one of the countries worst affected by COVID-19, have reimposed restrictions in two regions after ending a total lockdown on June 21st. Catalonia introduced a lockdown in El Segria on Saturday, affecting about 200,000 people after a surge in cases. Galicia followed suit on Sunday, preventing 70,000 people from leaving their homes. As Europe reopens for the holiday season, governments worry that there could be more such local spikes. Iran reported 163 new deaths from COVID-19 on Sunday, its highest toll yet. The country has now had 240,438 recorded cases and 11,571 COVID-related deaths, though this is probably an undercount. In response, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, Iran's supreme leader, made the wearing of masks obligatory. Air France KLM announced that it will cut more than 7,500 jobs from its French operations over the next three years. Air France will shed 6,560 staff, half of whom are expected to go through retirement or voluntary redundancy, while 1,020 jobs will go at HOP, its regional carrier. The company blamed the losses on the slow economic recovery from COVID-19. Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, launched her re-election campaign ahead of national polls on September 19th. Thanks in part to her deft handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has helped her country escape almost unscathed, Miss Ardern enjoys high approval ratings. To help the economy recover from an early and severe lockdown, she is promising more help to small businesses. Police in Ethiopia said that at least 166 people died in the unrest following the killing of Hachulu Hundes a week ago. The singer was a symbol of the aspirations of the Oromo people, the country's largest ethnic group, who chafe against political repression. Mr Hundes said he had received death threats, although the motives for his murder remain unclear. Yuriko Koke, the governor of Tokyo, was re-elected. She received 3.7 million votes, 2.8 million more than her nearest rival. Miss Koke, a conservative, has won plaudits for her handling of the coronavirus pandemic, despite a recent spike in cases. She has said that the delayed Olympic Games will go ahead in the city next year, albeit in a simplified format. And plans for a 970-kilometre natural gas pipeline in America were scrapped. Dominion and Duke Energy, the two firms involved in building the Atlantic Coast Pipeline to run from West Virginia to North Carolina, blamed legal uncertainties. Estimated costs rose from around $5 billion to $8 billion. Dominion will sell its pipeline business to Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's investment firm, for $9.7 billion. And now, here's today's agenda. Life, but not as we knew it. New York's new phase. The New York City story is pretty damn good, thinks Mayor Bill de Blasio. The numbers sick and dying of COVID-19 have slowed since April to just a few dozen new cases. Hospital admissions are down to a trickle. Thus, the city enters phase three of its reopening today. Nail salons, tattoo parlours, basketball and tennis courts are open for business again. But in response to case increases in other states, the resumption of indoor dining has been postponed indefinitely. Indeed, the city remains far from normal. New Yorkers flocked to their beaches, which reopened on July 1st, but wearing masks. Few office workers have returned to their desks. Subway journeys are still 80% below the average in 2019. Visitors from 16 states across America will be required to quarantine for 14 days. 
There was an unexpected spike in cases last week in nearby Hoboken, New Jersey, due to travellers returning from hotspots. An older threat. How to stop AIDS. The coronavirus pandemic has not stopped a regular gathering directed against an older viral threat, HIV. The International AIDS Conference, convened every two years, was supposed to meet in San Francisco today. Instead, it is meeting in cyberspace. HIV currently infects about 38 million people and has killed more than 32 million since its recognition in the early 1980s. Drugs will keep an infected individual alive indefinitely, but there is neither cure nor vaccine. Progress towards those will be on the conference's agenda, as will improving access to existing treatments, coping with the complicating effects of COVID-19, and, inevitably, the question of how to pay for all this when so many of those afflicted live in poor countries, particularly in Africa. What will be missing is the face-to-face mixing of researchers, clinicians and activists from all over the world that gives AIDS conferences their special flavour. Whether that will matter remains to be seen. Carry on regardless. Bolsonaro defiant. Restaurants and bars reopened today in Brazil's biggest city, Sao Paulo, even though 12 out of 18 state capitals that have relaxed social distancing rules have subsequently recorded increases in COVID-19 infections. Brazil has reported more than 1.5 million cases and 64,000 deaths, second only to America. Pilloried abroad and at home for his disastrous handling of the pandemic, President Jair Bolsonaro also faces investigators closing in. A former aide to Flavio Bolsonaro, his eldest son, a senator, was arrested last month in an investigation into money laundering. Two other sons are under scrutiny for allegedly running an online network to spread disinformation. But impeachment is unlikely, as the support he enjoys from his base has remained relatively stable through the pandemic. Those who share his insouciance to the virus mobbed bars in Rio de Janeiro last week. Hoping to avoid such debauchery, Sao Paulo will force food and drink joints to close at 5pm. Up in the air. The Open Skies Treaty. Representatives from the 34-country Open Skies Treaty meet virtually today to discuss America's decision blamed on Russian rule-bending to quit the pact in November. The treaty lets members schedule reconnaissance flights over each other's territories to check for anything untoward. Two questions hang over the discussions. First, will America actually leave? Russia has shown flexibility on some of the complaints, easing restrictions on flights over its Kaliningrad exclave, home to its Baltic fleet for instance. And NATO allies want America to stay in a treaty that they think builds confidence through transparency. Democratic senators argue that the Trump administration failed to give Congress a requisite 120-day notice, so a future Biden administration may argue America never legally left. Second, assuming America withdraws, can the treaty survive? Russia worries that NATO countries will share imagery from flights over its territory with America. But for now, Russia is happy to watch another wedge widen between America and its allies. Its own drumbeat. India's COVID-19 crisis. India has joined the unhappy League of Nations clocking terrible new daily rates of infection. More than 24,000 Indians tested positive yesterday, worse than at any time before or during the country's lockdown. Thus, it pipped Russia to become the third largest centre for recorded infections, after America and Brazil. Some Indian states now have cumulative loads, like America's worst, with Tamil Nadu matching Arizona and Maharashtra, Texas. Yet India's predicament looks anomalous, with nearly 675,000 cases but just about 19,000 fatalities, 
The country's COVID-19 seems to be only 62% as lethal as elsewhere, despite the relative lack of intensive care capacity. Either the disease works differently there, or deaths are grievously undercounted. Even more improbable, a government agency announced that an indigenous vaccine will be launched on August 15th, India's Independence Day. Research institutes are supposed to authorise human trials tomorrow, on an absurdly sped-up schedule for a drug that may not yet exist. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Walter Gropius, who died yesterday in 1969. The mind is like an umbrella. It functions best when open. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.